Good morning, Jerry. Good morning, John. Hey, hey. Mm. It's the bro show. For those who are it new sure listeners. It sure is. For those who are new listeners, we're two. I want to hear it. I want to hear it. Here it Tell is. We're two brothers. damn show. We're, we're two brothers. Actual brothers. Not the kind of, hey, bro. The real deal. Brothers. Yeah. Yeah. Blood brothers. Well, not blood brothers, but, well, you know what I mean. <laughs> We've shed right? blood as brothers. We did, and we have, and we are. <laughs> so anyways, yeah, we talk about four things, actually, John. I usually say three things, but I thought about it. We talk about four things. We talk the about a story. You, you, cons- I hope you used your fingers when you counted those things. No toes, just my <laughs> fingers. <laughs> I even used my damaged fingers, so that worked out well. Ooh, you and Les Paul. Mm. That's right. Yeah, and, <laughs> and uh, uh, Jenko Reinhardt. Famous gypsy jazz guitarist who played with two fingers. Know all the about way. the guy. I, yeah. Last night. Jenk. Last night. <laughs> Read yeah. about him. Wow, that's right. You did. You're reading loud. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, that's really sweet. Okay, we talk about an ox story. Ox is our seasonal animal. We do a word that we were unfamiliar with that we find fascinating. And we have a two takes topic. We have a topic we talk about and we have two takes on it. And last but not least, John, number four is... You submit me to two, you submit two groaners to me, and I have to guess the answer. So I don't know how anyone could resist listening to the show after that introduction. It's a real tease all the way. Hmm. Yes. One, a semi-somber note. Uh, our mother passed away yesterday, and uh, like she would want us to, we are doing the show. She had a strong work ethic. Would you agree, John? She sure did. She's from a farming community. Her family were uh, all mostly farmers, and it was yep. all work. That's all it was. That's what it was all yeah, about. Work. They had the German work ethic because they were German. So that anyway, that works. Yeah, it does work. And you know what? We I had a lot of friends reach out to me on Facebook, and I want to thank each and every one of them. A lot of my high school uh, colleagues, uh, graduates. So it was, and guys in the old band and all kinds of really good people. And I appreciate it. And John appreciates it because I got us both in there. Yeah, I appreciate that. I did get a couple of responses already and I, and I might get more. It's fine. And, uh, yep. yeah, well, sure time marches on. What can I say? The last mate, she's the, uh, the matriarch of her family. She was the last one of her 13. Um, yep. To live. 13th of 13. 13 of 13 and lived to 93, close to 99. Was 98, close to 99. So. Very close to 99. 14 days away, or, you know, two weeks about. Well, okay. Very good. That. good. What are you job. wearing? What shirt? What shirt? I am wearing the shirt with our mugs on it, but it's a little one that I like the picture of so much that we, I think it was actually, this picture was taken out in, on, uh, North, not, on um, North Avenue Beach. Yes, it was. Correctly. Yes, it was. I like we this because we have another shirt where we have much bigger uh, pictures of ourselves. But I like this shirt because of the modesty. It, and that's the kind of signature. That's the, what I like yeah. to basically present yeah. to my public. 
that I'm a very <laughs> modest individual. You're a very so modest I, podcasting so personality. Most people would say, well, the way to do that would be to wear, don't have a shirt with your picture on it. And I would say really? the way to be modest is to have a small picture. But that's, I think that's, that's, that's just me. Now, how about what are you wearing? Well, I, good question. I'm wearing <laughs> the shirt that we're featuring today, and it's, and it's support our musicians. It's hosted mm. by Bonfire. If you buy this shirt on Bonfire, all of the money goes to uh, Music Cares, which supports musicians in this gig apocalypse era we're in. So yeah. do it. Get, get the shirt. I got the exact one. It's a Tahiti Blue. It's very, very, very good. <laughs> Shall we go to our ox story? Moving onward, the ox story. Now, I'll tell you, what we've got here is we've got mm. Babe the Blue Ox, the heavy lifter for Paul Bunyan. Now, this is a story that if you take a look and try to wiki it, uh, Paul Bunyan obviously is a was a mythical figure that is was a legendary uh, lumberjack logger up in the state of Minnesota. And we've got, and we're going to take this story of Paul and his ox babe and talk about it probably several different times. But what we'll do today is we're going to concentrate on more of a contemporary uh, version or what is going on with respect to him. And that goes back to Babe the Blue Ox, who, uh, who ended up being featured with another statue, with a statue of Paul Bunyan yep. in a town called Benjamin, uh, uh, Minnesota, that's right, fifteen thousand. And as we take a look at this, I think there's a couple things. There's these statues. Now Paul is about eighteen feet. Babe is ten. Has a mm-hmm. has that's a right. full length of over twenty three feet. And I think we can learn a lot about this ox because I think what we learn is that as much as Babe might you might consider it to be the sort of lesser or the minor role of this team, this dynamic team that that uh, has this this you know reputation babe is an equal partner babe I think, is right yeah. there with with paul always and i yeah always and babe is also doing what i call the heavy lifting mm-hmm. um so yeah. the other thing you notice as you take a look at the statues that you can learn is babe isn't wearing a yoke isn't no. you know isn't doesn't have the farm implement on Nope. This is an animal that is very teachable, learnable. It has it is as close to a, a human like qualities as an animal can have. It could be domesticated if it was so large. I'd have it as a pet in my condo. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, if we take a look at at animals like this, we see that uh, quite often, as we take a look, and I would call Babe uh, Paul's sidekick. Look yeah. Back. Let's just take a look back at you know okay. when we were kids and the the farm the the cowboys the Hopalong Cassidy's and but was it Hoppy? No, it was Gabby. It, it was, was Gabby. Gabby Hayes. Hayes. Was it Cisco the Cisco kid? No, it was no. Pancho. Cisco and Pancho. Exactly. Oh, Cisco. Oh, and Pancho. If you take a look, you are immediately where where do your eyes go as you take a look at these two statues? They go to Babe. Now Babe is blue and that's a story in itself and we won't talk about well, that. We can't talk about it today. No, but uh, we just want to end this by saying that uh, this is this uh stat- these two statues which were uh, put up in Bijami as a means of trying to attract tourists. 
mm-hmm. in the early stages of automobile travel. That's As correct. The logging industry was, you know, kind of going by the wayside, was kind of faltering a bit. Bishami felt a need to bolster its uh, economy, and the way they did it was by attracting tourists with these incredible statues. Um, That's right. And they continue to be there. They've been renovated. They're well-maintained. And I think that, that pretty well tells the story. It, 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 it says, you know, we got we got an equal partner here, Paul. You and Babe. Don't That's right. It. Don't forget <laughs> Babe. You know, I think one of the most, uh, in reading that, uh, uh, that link that you got there, one thing that I completely had forgotten about, in the cartoon depictions of Babe, Babe, when Babe is really getting up ahead of steam, what happens is actual steam comes out of Babe's nostrils. Babe yeah. runs a little, a little hotter than the air around. <laughs> and, you know, and it's in Minnesota. It's always a little cool there sometimes. So Babe has got that steam coming out of the nose. Now, they, they said in this wiki that <laughs> they said in floats, in Babe the Blue Ox floats, they often have Paul and Babe facing backwards as the car's going forward, and they had the exhaust from the car going out of Babe's nostrils. <laughs> I think that's so clever. So yeah. clever. I think it's one oh. thing to, to remember about Minnesota itself is a is quite often we think of it as being cold, but, but the fact is that Minnesotans embrace the cold. They have they winter do. carnivals. This is a big deal as a winter carnival, and it reminds me of the fact that I have a friend of mine, which I need to apologize to, a fellow by the name of Walter Tim. I, I, I know him. I basically say to I, I considered Walter to be, uh, let's say, uh, value-centric. Uh, some people might call him cheap, frugal, whatever oh, you want to call it. Oh, Waller's oh. a lawyer, so he calls himself parsimonious because he figures he'll get away with it. Nobody knows what it means. But, <laughs> but I want to apologize to Walter. I always thought he was going to Minnesota in January to get the cheap hotel fares, but he oh? was going up there to embrace the holiday carnival atmosphere that exists. He, he so that's it. Just wanted to say <laughs> that <laughs> quickly. This is such a good word. I have to take responsibility for it. I won't take responsibility. Yeah. I'm going to take full credit. That's what I'm going to do. It's Bacronym. B-A-C-R-O-N-Y-M. And it's sort of like the opposite of acronym. And how so, John? How so, John? Well, I'm going to give you the definition to get it out of the way because all it does is confuses everybody. It's an existing word turned into an acronym by creating an apt phrase whose initial letters match the word. So uh, it, it's looking back and saying, well, I don't know if anybody knows what this word's going to mean, so why don't we come up with a definition based upon the letters? So here's a good example. The backronym of rap, R-A-P, the music we've learned about, it's a modern thing, rhythm and poetry is the backronym. Wow. So rap, everybody knew what it was, but if you really didn't, let's say you were an old critter like myself and you said you need to be reminded, well, well, I know the way to remember what that is, rhythm and poetry. That is what so, it is, too. So, um, unfortunately, our two-takes topic is where this word, unfortunately, <laughs> this is where you abuse <laughs> yeah. the use of backronym. Let's hear it. We're going to be talking about uh, uh, the Patriot, the USA Patriot Act. Now, you're saying... Oh, that sounds kind of redundant. I mean, why do we even have to say USA? 
the Congress is enacting this legislation. Do we really need it? Can we just call it the Patriot Act? No. Oh, no, we can't do that because, you see, we're going to make a backronym out of it. So it's USA Patriot Act. So if you take the U.S. Patriot, you could take each of those letters and come up with uniting and strengthening America by providing appropriate tools required to intercept and obstruct terrorism. Wow. Now, unfortunately, the, 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 the teeth of the law has nothing to do with this acronym. It doesn't. Yeah. It's, it's misleading. And it just kind of segues into the problem we've got. And um, yes, it does. And it segues nicely into two takes. Domestic terrorism, which you're saying, well, how does that fit into the Patriot Act? Well, that's the problem. Does it fit in or doesn't it? And that's what makes it so damn confusing. A little history, a little history, if I may. A little history is that what happened in uh, 9-11-2001, within a month of that, well, probably a little bit more than a month, the U.S. Congress decided to enact the U.S. Patriot Act, okay? Now, this act, uh, the the problem we have with the act is that it uh, it was rushed, and also the fact is that it's very divisive because it has to deal with some of our our liberties, uh, particularly freedom of of speech. Yes. So it's got all kinds of problems in it. So the way that they're able to pass this act was they were able to uh, put what they call sunset provisions in it. So the sunset provisions mean that what they would do is they say, look, you're going to complain about it. You're only going to have five years to complain because most of this act is going to go the way, go out of the wayside by, by five years. Now, of course, it also gives an idea of what we can do in terms of, well, when we get to the five-year point, we can see if we need to basically get rid of the stuff or do we then continue. So what do they do? They argue again, and they put another sunset on it. And they also determined that uh, there's, you know, there's just pieces of this act that they don't need to continue. It becomes a big, big mumbo jumbo. It's what you call a negative uh, codification or negative use with this current Patriot Act, because what it does, it defines domestic terrorism. But there's no statutes relating to the domestic terrorism within the law. Correct. So it gives an example of what needs to be cleaned up. It, it, you know, as we take a look, I've talked about the sunset provisions, the contention. Uh, the the other thing that that as we we take a look at it, there have been. We, you can tell you've got a bad law when you have to spend so much time in court interpreting the law. That's a bad yes. sign. Here's yeah, another bad sign. I went through this and found out there's actually statutes within the law that have never been been used. Really, for a variety of reasons. Some say, well, look, that's too dangerous. We can't use it. So the other thing, so what we need to do is codification is something, and the, the history for that is I'm an accountant. I've dealt with, I've seen codification used to clean up accounting principles. So I thought, well, I'll just use that. What I didn't realize, however, was that the U.S. Congress has a codification sort of procedure that it goes through in order to take a look at laws and handle it. Then what I did is I went further and I thought, well, you know what? I better be careful. Maybe I'm recommending something that Congress, they've got the mechanism. Maybe they're already doing it. Right. Guess what I found? I found out that there already is in process something to work on domestic terrorism 
codification, but there is no codification law. That doesn't make any sense. That's what right. they need to do is they need to concentrate on the existing law as it deals with international terrorism and That's clean right. it up, take all, get this, you know, what's happened is we've got, we've got almost 20 years of history here from which we can look at court law interpretations. We can look at the pros and cons. We got all this stuff. And what we can do is we can clean up this act, and that's what we need to do before we go trying to create another monster. I agree totally. Well, this is this is a take that we have the same take. Is yeah, and, uh, po- but the- positive law codification, as opposed to non-positive law codification, is what we need here. And but what is codification? Positive law codification. It is the act of. Let's see if I'm right here, John. It's editing. It's an editing job. It's, it's reorganizing and yes. editing and wordsmithing so it's more accessible to the legal community to use it. And everyone weighs in on this. The judiciary gets involved. They have right. panels. They have all kinds of things that are convened to do this. They have a process for this. So this isn't too hard to do. It will take some effort, but it can be done. It's one of the rare times we're recommending something that's very practical. It's very practical. I would also say that the, the challenge we have here is we, we rather than uh, is not biting off more than you can chew. Yes. Because the the codification, what we start with is you know somebody says, well, we ought to just we ought to just basically put the you know domestics mentioned. Why don't we just throw in the domestic piece? Not but that the easy. Problem, it's not that easy. So what we need to do is we need to baby step this. And the baby, and first baby step is clean up the existing act. And then understanding that where we probably would like to be at the very end of this is we want to have one comprehensive terrorism law. And yes. why do we want that, I think, is because, you know what, terrorism has no boundaries. No, it doesn't. What's so as a result, you know, we've got international, we've got, we got this international terrorism, we've got domestic terrorism. But does that mean that, well, does that mean that the local chapter that's in the United States of an international terrorist group is under one law, and then that means that the 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 the, the international the, the the major organization located someplace else. I'm not going to mention a region. I don't want to be profiling it. Is uh is someplace else, and therefore we need two laws, two different uh, group in order to do this. So that's, you know, yeah. Here's where the resistance comes in, is that if you look at the Patriot Act, and parts of it are really hot, hotly contested by groups of lawyers like the UCLA. And, you know, ACLU rather. And uh, so the funny part about the it's not funny. The peculiar part about this is people are going to resist one definition of terrorism because the uh, existing international terrorism laws are so onerous and allow such uh, liberty taking that people aren't going to want to do that for domestic terrorism. So this might be the mechanism used to clean up the international terrorism, uh, you know, the Patriot Act in such a way that, hey, we don't want to treat our citizens like that. Well, then clean it up. You know, get rid of this Gitmo clause, you know, where you could take some place, someone to a neutral area where there are no laws. The, there's something wrong about that, you know. And a lot of people think there's something wrong about that. And, you know, here's the, here's the bottom line. It doesn't work. You know, the, these waterboarding and the, these extreme interrogation methods do not work. It's been established. 
So why they keep doing it, I'm well, not sure. Yeah, well, the point being that we're going to take a look at the process. I agree that there's obviously things that are points of contention that we can get rid of, but I'm more interested. I'm going to look at it just in terms of let's get the procedure together and clean up what yeah. we've got. And there are two things that made me realize that this was uh, going to be a problem. This this act had a problem. I, when I read through the wiki thing on U.S. Patriot Act, and found out that the American Library Association was involved. I said, "This is ridiculous." <laughs> in other words, they were yeah. objecting because FBI agents could potentially come in and raid their libraries because of right. you know because of the, the materials they maybe had in the library. So I thought, "This is insane." Then I knew I was too far buried into it when I started reading it, and you come up with acronyms that should be obvious, and your head is so fogged up with the act. You say, "Now, what does USC mean?" USC. And then you have to go yeah. to it and say, oh, that's United States Congress. Oh, dear. Do I feel like an idiot? No. Yeah. It's because this damn law fogged up your brain. It's fog. It's fog. <laughs> it's a foggy law. It's a foggy. It's a patriot fog is what I ran into. What does the fog stand for? Is that an acronym also, by the way? I don't know. Right? Right? You start questioning everything. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. John, what's that an acronym for? J O N. We know we got to come up with a backronym for fog. Do you know what J O N is? Do you know what J O N is? No, I don't. J oriented names. There are like thirty people in our family with first names starting with a J. So see, see, see what I'm saying? I think you just make sure that it. We can Google and come up with that, please. See, that's not an acronym. It's not a backronym. It's a nacronym. Oh yeah, it's <laughs> hey, we're, let's we're not. You know, over. we're going to save inventing words for oh, another yeah. shoe. Oh, we sure are. <laughs> we sure are. <laughs> these are groaners. These are okay. you know, and the worse the joke mm. is, the better the groaner is. These are provided to us by Vincent Anthony Lauder Jr. Commonly referred to as the coach, he supplies me with four, and I get the dubious distinction of picking two of them out, which I then provide to my brother, who is pretty able. He's got a pretty good batting average with getting them. Okay, but let's okay. give it a shot today. Okay, I'm assuming the position. Go ahead. How often do interest rates in Japan compound? How often do interest rates in Japan compound? You know, we got... Mm. Once again, I like that. That's very close. You're going to get partial. Okay. Sumo annually. <laughs> That's great. That's great. It's yeah. That's great. okay. I like it. I'm ready. Okay, I'm going to give you. A, I'm going to tee this up a little bit for you. Okay. Okay. Why do loud ducks make lousy spies? <laughs> Why do loud ducks make lousy spies? I put the word loud in there, okay? Loud ducks make lousy spies. <laughs> oh, I don't know, John. Tell me. Be because they quack under interrogation. <laughs> oh! <laughs> Very topical. Very topical with the Patriot Act. 